to the world of the haters. Don't be hating. Just living the dream. I love that. You know what? I will have some meatloaf. Let's have some meatloaf. You want some? I knew you'd go. Hey, Mom! The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! What is she doing? I never know what she's doing back there. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter up the cut it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. It's my pleasure to present the national championship trophy to Coach Davo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. The sea was angry that day, my friends. Like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. Stands head and shoulders over everybody else. He is a world champion on his own. Light. He is actually 6'5 with the Afro 6'9. Pretty good dribbler. All you do is dribble. I have to dribble. If I give it to you, you just shoot. You're a chucker. Oh, chucker. That's right. Every time you get the ball, you shoot. I can't believe you called me a chucker. No way I'm a chucker. I do not chuck. Never chuck. Never have chuck. Never will chuck. No chuck. <laughs> you chuck. Barry takes a shotgun snap, back to pass. Here comes pressure, and he's down. Farrell gets him, sacks him all the way back at the eight-yard line. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. There was a time in this country when sports were revered. But people today, their values are all out of whack. All around the clock, sports all the time. That's the concept of the news. Oh, that's never going to work. Roy Philpott on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Hey, good afternoon on this Tuesday, 6th day of June 2017. Safe and sound here inside the Blue Ridge Security Solution Studios at 105.5 The Roar. Roy Philpott in Millstead. Great to be back in action. And as you would expect, a lot to talk about today. If you want to talk with us, go ahead and give us a buzz. 654-7627, the phone number, the Northland Communication phone lines. Also on Twitter, you know, the handles and via the text line. If you send us a text today, uh, let us know who you are, where you're texting from. Probably not a ton today on the NBA Finals. Probably a lot of Clemson baseball. And I expect that you want to talk about what happened this weekend. Uh, so feel free to kickstart our week uh, with some of that conversation. And, of course, the Tigers eliminated by Vanderbilt last night after another lengthy rain delay. And uh, it is what it is. Vanderbilt, I thought, was the better program coming in. I mentioned that last week. I thought that they were more talented. I thought that that bared itself out as we went through the course of the weekend. And we'll give you some more details on all of that as we go through the next couple of hours. Not a ton of NBA, not a ton of other things going on. So we will wrap up the Tigers baseball season this afternoon. Ben Milstead joins us right now. Hot off the presses from our front parking lot where apparently a little bit of drama going on right now. As I see Quackenbush and Kelly freaking out with a, uh, a reptile perhaps floating around on the concrete outside. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, good. I, uh, you know, Kelly is not a big fan of the, the mouse uh, we ha we have a pet mouse in the in the house that's been here for 
a uh, week or so now, we now have a uh, a, a, a a new and improved mousetrap in the form of a black snake across <laughs> that was just going across the front parking lot. I am terrified of snakes. Are you scared of snakes? Terrified of snakes. I did not realize I, that. I'm getting much better about it. Yeah. But it, it's like we have moved to the middle of, you know, South America or something where we're just infested with odd happenings uh animal related here all of a sudden <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know tis the season they're clearing a lot and it kind of to compound things for me they're clearing a lot beside my house it's been wooded for years and years and years i mean as long as i've lived there and uh obviously because they didn't just plant the woods all of a sudden anyway <laughs> they're clearing this lot there's been three snakes in my yard in the last two days that's unsettling yeah, when I haven't seen one in a long, long time, and of course, you know, my my wife like refuses to let me do anything with them, and I, and I'm trying to I'm trying to understand that the black snake, and I, you know, y'all don't don't tell me all the great things about black snakes. I, I'm not in the mood for that today. That's usually what you get on days like today. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's just been I'm I'm on edge, Roy. I just looked down at the at the black phone cord. Laying here on the counter to where we answer your wonderful phone calls, and uh, and, it, and it startled me a little bit. So I'm a little jumpy. All today. right, let's do this then. Let's press the reset button, and let's kind of restart the show after getting all of that off of our chests, because I know a lot of people want to talk Clemson baseball, and so this is how I want to do this. Okay. Because you and I haven't talked, and so and I have a million questions for you today. Oh, uh, good, 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 very good. And, and, but but I want to start with a question for you just to see which direction this thing goes in. Your reaction to what happened this weekend, because it felt very much like a roller coaster of emotions. If you were a Clemson fan, if you were a fan of the Commodores from Vanderbilt up in Smashville, a roller coaster of emotions. It was a different kind of weekend, a different kind of regional. How would you best sum it up in your own Words. I'm I'm just curious to hear that before we just get up on a soapbox or start doing what we like to do. How would you sum it up? Not surprising. Okay, that would that would be my best some way summation of the weekend. Not surprising. I expected them to struggle at times. I expected them to look really good at times, both of which took place. And then, you know, very similar to last year. You you ran across a, a a team that maybe some would say peaking at the right time, played really well. Uh, very impressed with Vanderbilt to the point that one time last night I went back and checked their schedule again. It's like, did they really just win what I think thirty three regular season games? Is that really that what happened here? Right, because that's not the way that team looked to me. So I give Vanderbilt a ton of credit for that and then when you when you put someone put a team up that's playing really well here at the end of the season against a team who's playing their worst baseball at the end of the season you sort of get this past weekend and that's really how I felt about it um I I must admit I thought perhaps they were gonna they were about to go on a little bit of run I felt I felt pretty confident about last night's game just wasn't wasn't to be and uh 
ADA, seven days, 23 hours, 49 minutes till football. Right. A lot of people want to play that card today. I don't blame you one bit, and we can do some of that coming up later in the show. I, I, I would start with this. The good things that we saw, the performance by Tyler Jackson Sunday night in that elimination game against Fandy after a lengthy rain delay before the first game that afternoon, to see Jackson do what he did in his final start in a Clemson uniform who transferred into the program to go nine innings, two-hit baseball, shutting down that offense that had scored 22 runs in the first two games. It was miraculous. So before we say, well, Clemson's eliminated, it's the end of the universe, they didn't make it to the Supers again, what are we going to do? What's next year look like? Let's start with his performance because I, I thought it was one for the ages to do what he did when you had to have it that night to be able to play last night in that winner-take-all regional finale. So Jackson, to me, was off the charts. I thought we saw Logan Davidson grow up somewhat this weekend. He wasn't perfect at shortstop, but at the plate, he was electric, consistent. He came up with clutch at-bats when you needed him uh, prior to last night, and nobody had him last night, obviously, but prior to... Uh, he was exactly what you thought or what you hoped he was going to be coming into the season. Even I, I think he had a couple of hits last night, but uh, nobody was on base, so it didn't really matter. Jackson stood out to me. Davidson stood out to me. Beer, after being walked intentionally three straight times to start the regional, as frustrating as that must have been, he bounced back and for the most part did his part. I, I thought he was really, really good. The two home runs was walked eight times in the regional, and he also came up with clutch at-bats. Didn't happen last night, struck out with the bases loaded, but at that point it was already 7 nothing, and it was the eighth inning. The chances of Clemson coming back at that point were slim to none, and there was one out when he was up uh, to bat, and it didn't happen. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good regional for him, and he even came back after dropping the fly ball uh, early in the regional in that game against UNCG and responded by helping get Clemson back in the mix and then ultimately winning that game, again, in elimination fashion. So uh, I liked what I saw from, from Seth Beer. Now, other players had their moments. Eubanks gave you everything that he had in that first start. Bullpen was shaky at times. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, but for the most part, I would agree with what you suggested right there. You weren't entirely surprised, and you kind of expected – Feast or famine, because that's kind of what this season was. Right. And so the question is, why is that the case and what's going on? Monty Lee throughout the course of the entire weekend remained Monty Lee. Yeah, honestly, I want to say he's a hard guy to read, but he's always very positive. And I, I think he's a straight shooter. His mentality didn't really change the whole weekend. And I think at the end of the season, he was pressing every single button that he possibly could. And that was going to be enough against teams like UNCG. It was enough to beat Vanderbilt once. Uh, not enough to beat the Commodores, obviously, twice, which is what they needed to be able to advance. But I I thought Monty did everything that he possibly could with the hand that he was dealt. The one area where I would disagree with the decision probably was starting Eubanks last night. I, I don't know where else you turn. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, Brooks Crawford looked pretty good out of the pen, now healthy, and so maybe that would have been a better option. But... Lee went with his gut, and he had Eubanks approach him a couple of times via text the night before, the morning of that game. I want to be the guy. Man, it's hard to walk away from that. And Eubanks, to his credit, 
you know, made that one mistake uh, to Toffee, Will Toffee, the third baseman for Vanderbilt, and, and that kind of set the tone in that third inning last night uh, that got us to the point where we we ultimately uh, kind of checked out of the game, I, I guess. The mistake uh, might have been pitching to Toffee at all. Well, right, right. And, I mean, I, you know, I I don't know how many different ways we said that on the broadcast throughout the course of the weekend, but I, I mean, and it wasn't, you know, everybody knew it, but the guy was so hot you had to say it every time he came up there because you felt like something was going to happen. I mean, his outs were against the warning track or against the wall or, you know, lined out to left field with a guy running full speed to try to catch up to it. So I would kind of summarize it like this before we get to your call, 654-7627, 654-ROAR. What we saw this weekend is a Vanderbilt team, a tad bit more aggressive in key moments, a Vanderbilt team that was more talented, in my estimation, with Kyle Wright, Jaron Kendall, Will Toffey, handful of other future draft picks. But most importantly, I mean, all that stuff you can kind of contend with. The Vanderbilt pitching, as inconsistent as it was in the regular season and in the SEC tournament against South Carolina, ironically, it was better and deeper. It had more power arms and options out of the bullpen than what Clemson had this year. And in my estimation, ultimately, that was the Tigers undoing. Uh, Jackson kind of duct taped it up with that win, that 6 nothing shutout that we spoke about earlier in this segment. But on the back end, Riley Gilliam struggled. Uh, he wouldn't have been my first option out of the bullpen. I, I, I know they wanted to go with a bunch of righties out of the pen against that Vanderbilt lineup last night. But Gilliam at times earlier in this regional... I'm not really sure if he was shaking off the fastball and he didn't want to throw it to UNCG. And as soon as he did, it, it left the ballpark. But his confidence was completely gone. He comes in last night, three straight hits. And at that point, you're just thinking, man, this this is going to be too much to overcome. And of course, Toffee made sure that that was the case. But Vanderbilt had a deeper staff, had more arms, played one less game. Add all that up, it was going to make last night difficult given what Clemson was going to have to throw out there, which was an Alex Eubanks that was running out of gas. He was running on fumes. And then, you know, the Johnny Holstaff approach, which really did not work until Crawford got in there and, and, and kind of settled things down. But pitching, 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 pitching was the difference. Vandy had it. It had a multitude of options out of the bullpen. It had some power arms. You had guys that could throw breaking pitches at any point in the count. Rupenthal last night was like Tyler Jackson the night before and gave Vandy the boost, I thought, that it needed. So I, the one thing I'll take away initially from this weekend, on the recruiting trail, you you now start to look and identify talent, and they've been doing it, of course. You want to try to bolster that bullpen. You're looking for maybe a power arm or two if you can find it, and it's not easy to do. And let's start there, entering next season, to see, okay, what what is this team capable of in 2018? That's a, a good assessment of what happened in, in with Rubenthal last night. The book on him was he he's either really good or really bad. Correct. And you got the really good version last night. Again, to his credit, he looked he looked like Kyle Wright Jr. out there, um, and he was he was dominant. I really felt like Clemson would catch up to him. At some point, he he became very predictable. But when you see a when you see a guy throw a curveball that starts so high out of the zone, 
and then the catcher never moves and he's set up square in the middle of play. And you see that in the first and second innings. You go, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's I a mean, different where, kind of animal. Where, 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 you know, Clemson batters are just giving up on the pitch because they just assume, oh, that's way too high to be a, to be a, to be a strike. And it just drops in perfectly. You know it's going to be a long night, and unfortunately it was. 654, Roar, Josh, our first caller of the afternoon. He joins us now on the Northland Communication phone lines. Josh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. Well, my takeaway with baseball is, I'm, uh, man, I'm proud of the team, man. I really am. And I, I'm not, not to be a sunshine pumper or anything, but we are in only the second year of my least tenure here in Clemson. And, you know, two, two regionals in a row. I mean, I, I know we didn't make it to the to the second round, but I, but you know, and, and again, you were just talking about recruiting. Um, I still don't think you know Monty's really got his guys in there yet. You know, what's well, an important point to make? It's only his second season, and you know they they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule. I mean, if you go back to last year, Josh, where they won the ACC tournament, nobody saw that coming. They ended up being a national seed, eliminated by Oklahoma State. I, I think what happened was this year, the fast start certainly overinflated our expectations. And, and once reality kind of sat in, staff wasn't as deep as they needed. Maybe they need some more power arms. Bottom of the order, a little shaky in the injury to Chris Williams. You know, maybe at that juncture, we should have kind of doled it down somewhat. And, and we didn't do it. But the fast start kind of led us down this path. And... You know, the season kind of ends uh, in, in disappointing fashion. They won 42 games. They continue to be dominant in midweek contests, so that's an improvement over the old regime. And now the next step is making a Super Regional, which obviously didn't happen this year. They'll try to get there next season. Yeah, I'll tell you what. What I saw it was, I saw it in that Florida State series. That's when I very first seen the cracks in the pitching staff, yeah. you know. That's when I very first started seeing those, and I was like, yeah, Maybe I was like, I was like, if we get into a, to a deal where we're going to have to win two or three straight, it's going to be hard to do. And that's exactly what happened this but, weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I believe, I believe that they, you know, I, I believe in Monty. I believe, I believe he's going to be able to get his guys in there. Um, get, you know, get on the recruiting kill, get some of, the, get some of this young, young talent in there, and you know, it really only takes a couple of guys. If you can get a couple of really good pitchers, you know. Somebody that you can send out there that you know, all right, you know, we get a couple of runs, we're going to win the game with this guy on the mound, you know? That's the next step, the missing piece. Josh, we thank you for a segment in the books. More of your phone calls coming up. Paul and Seminole Ted, hang tight. 654-ROAR, the magic number. Back with much more here in our first hour after this. At Simmons Mattress Outlet in Seneca, we've added new models with the new year. We now carry both Serta and Beautyrest for more selection and more savings on your new mattress. We have the largest in-stock inventory around, so you can always find the mattress you need at the right price. And when you buy your new mattress, we give you the box spring free. Open seven days a week. Simmons Mattress Outlet is located in the old Walmart across from Chick-fil-A in Seneca. King Pallet Company in Liberty is hiring first shift laborers at $82.50 a day. Great pay at $82.50 per day. King Pallet Company, 843-2448. That's 843-2448. Hey guys, it's William from Scores Jewelers. Why would you even consider buying an engagement ring online? 
Well, I know why. You're looking for a great price, and it's convenient to shop in your underwear at 11 o'clock at night. I can't do anything for you if you don't have your clothes on, but I can get you a great price. Scores Jewelers has the styles your girl wants with something for every budget, starting from $300 and up. Right now, we have one-carat total weight diamond rings for $19.95, so you can get all the service and peace of mind from buying from a local business at an Internet price. She's the one, and she deserves it. Be her hero. I'm William Nichols from Scores Jewelers, and I want to be your jeweler. Finding great candidates to hire can be, well, like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is different. It doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them with its powerful technology. ZipRecruiter distributes your job everywhere it needs to be to find the right candidates. In fact, over 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just one day. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, only ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Used by businesses of all sizes, ZipRecruiter offers the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com score. That's ZipRecruiter.com score. For your free trial, ZipRecruiter.com score. Athletes and active people wear out their joints as they age. For medically appropriate patients, the Surgery Center at Pelham offers a low-cost option for joint replacement to avoid a hospital stay and offers the capability to go home the same day. I'm Dr. Frank Armacita. If your joints are worn out after years of golf, tennis, cycling, or weekend warrior activities, I believe our staff at the Surgery Center at Pelham can make a difference in your life. Visit the Surgery Center at Pelham online at newkneereplacement.com. If your business relies on dependable transportation from your medium and heavy-duty fleet trucks, then Advanced Maintenance should be your next call. Advanced Maintenance provides superior on-site maintenance that saves you precious time. Their free maintenance management program manages your fleet's usage and keeps track of all your service needs so you don't have to. And they even do box truck and trailer repair. Call the number that comes to you at 422-5787. That's 422-5787. Complete Nutrition just released the most effective weight loss product we've ever created. Plus, it comes with a free 21-day step-by-step program to follow, and we guarantee you success. If you lose more than 21 pounds in the first 21 days, see Complete Nutrition to adjust your plan. Healthy weight loss should not exceed a couple of pounds per week. Find Complete Nutrition in Greenville on Woodruff Road, in Spartanburg on East Blackstock Road, and in Anderson across from the Harbor Inn on North Main. Roy Philpott on WCCP. I'll do my job. You people better start doing yours. And now, back to Roy and Ben on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Our the show continues on this Tuesday. It rain in the area as it was most of the weekend. Some of the longest rain delays <laughs> I've ever been a part of. I mean, five hours one day, four and a half hours the next day. I, I don't think that impacted anything in a significant way. I mean, you're just pushing off the inevitable of actually playing a baseball game. But it was a little different, I, I think, for both sides. And, you know, one day it appeared it worked out for Clemson. The next day, I guess it worked out for Vanderbilt. I, I don't know. I don't know that weather played that big of a factor. And I do want to talk as well about the uh, controversy last night. In the third inning, after Vanderbilt uh, scored those two runs, uh, I'll give you my take on that coming up in this segment as well. Because it 
it certainly played a role in determining early momentum and in postseason play in a close game that you're anticipating. You would think that that would factor in, and it did. I don't know that that dictated the outcome of the night, just given what Vanderbilt ended up doing. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what I saw on that play coming up in just a few minutes. 654-ROAR is our phone number. Paul is up next. Hey, Paul. Hey, I just wanted to tell you I appreciate the job you did, you and your cohort on that, uh, calling those games. I thought you'd done a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, i got two questions to ask you. You know, I don't have nothing against Monty Lee. I think he's great, and he's going to be great for our future. But, you know, he said he's going to win the state of South Carolina. I got a buddy of mine who I used to play ball with. His son's Logan Chapman there in Easley, who's the Gatorade player of the year, a great pitcher. How do we ever let him get, you know, get away from Clemson? I know his dad's a Clemson fan. I mean, do you know any skinny on that? What happened there? Did we recruit this kid or uh, – do you know anything on that, Roy? I know no skinny on it. No, I do not. I, I, I okay. can't tell you that. I'm not educated on it. Sorry. Okay. I want to ask you one other question. I heard Mickey talking about this morning that somebody's a lot of people have been calling you SEC Homer. What's that all about? And I'll take that off there. Uh, I have no idea. I, I don't know. But uh, that's probably a compliment considering I'm sure those comments would have come when Vanderbilt beat Clemson 9-4 to and then shut them out last night 8 nothing. I got no beef with that. If that's the perspective, obviously people that know me know that's not the case. But in a situation where I'm calling a game in an unbiased way, uh, that's what you're going to get if the team that wins is from the Southeastern Conference and they're kicking Clemson's ass. That's kind of where it is. So, you know, you don't like that, but that's what happened. If that that was said tongue-in-cheek this morning, that exactly what you said, you were a Clemson homer uh, Sunday night because Clemson won. Correct. <laughs> and were uh, you were an SEC homer last night because Vanderbilt won. Well, and that's what happens, too, when, when you're broadcasting and one team's doing something very well and the other team maybe isn't. And if they're crushing that other team, well, you got to call it exactly how it's being played. So, you know, that that's fine. But I got no beef with people saying any of that kind of stuff. It kind of goes with the territory. Seminole Ted up next. Hey, Ted. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You know, to all the haters that want to call you out on something stupid like that, I would love to see them sit in a press booth and try to call a game. I'm sure they'll fumble all over the place, much less worry about looking like a homer. You know, that's just ridiculous. You do a great job on the booth. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, elimination game last night for Florida State. Zerzo pitched to Jim, and I saw that. I did not see that coming out of anywhere. You know, you talk about arms when you have a regional that goes into Monday like it did yesterday, and I, I was. I was a little worried that yeah. he wouldn't have the pitching. You know, the one thing that I think really helped Florida State was the momentum turn, you know, going down late to Auburn on Sunday and then coming back and winning in extra innings like they did. I think it took a lot of the momentum away from Auburn and gave it to Florida State. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with their Super Regional against Sam Houston State? And I'll take your comments off the air. Well, Ted, I think you know where I'm going with that one. And I expect Florida State to be playing in the College World Series uh, coming up in less than two weeks. Uh, they have been one of the hotter teams in the country, along with LSU, over the course of the last three to four weeks. We saw what happened up at Louisville at the ACC tournament. They were tremendous. Uh, that carried over. We thought it was going to carry over a little bit quicker than what it did down in Tallahassee. They... Uh, nearly were eliminated down to their last strike, upset by Tennessee Tech in that first game. But they came back, and I think now they've got more momentum than what they had before, honestly. And so Mike Martin, I think, is pushing the right buttons. 
Mendoza's healthy. I talked about that going into the regional and also the ACC tournament. Uh, that's a team that nobody wants to play. And the good news is, if you're a fan of the Knowles, you don't have to play Texas Tech on the road in the Supers. You get Sam Houston State and Tallahassee. Go ahead and punch your ticket to Omaha. That's where you're going. That's happening. Yes. <laughs> that's where you're going. Florida State is... And Clemson has something to do with Florida State success. It all started with the Clemson series when Florida State sort of righted the ship. Well, and, and Florida State did this. In that first game in Tallahassee, they trailed 10-1. to 1. And it's almost like that's where both seasons split into two different directions. Where Florida State came back to tie it. They ended up losing 12-10. to 10, But they won the next two games. And then they kind of took off their only stumbling block. Again, against Tennessee Tech that I just mentioned, they lost a series against Wake Forest. Outside of that, they, they've been unbeatable almost. So, I, you know, Florida State is, is very well positioned. And then after that, you know, that's the thing. I mean, hindsight now being 2020, that 10-to-1 game after that, it felt like Clemson really wasn't the same kind of program. And, I, and it's not that that one contest eroded confidence or changed things, but they were never really the same after that in my estimation. And, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why. It's hard to figure out why. Baseball is such a funny sport. It's momentum-driven, and one little thing can seemingly change the course of an inning, which can change the course of a game, which can change the course of a season. And then once you kind of gain momentum, sometimes it's very difficult to lose it. And then one time when you lose it, it's hard to get it back. And so they had it right out of the gate this year. Were they 30-5 and five at one point? And then uh -huh. when it was gone, and the entry to Chris Williams, everybody's kind of looking around saying, what's going on? What was me? And, and I don't know that they ever really got it back. Jackson did it for just a split second on Sunday night. Outside of that, there really wasn't a lot to feel great about at the end of the season. You, you didn't, you didn't feel like anybody really uh, rose to the top when you started having injuries. Uh, you know, now it's not not trashing those guys, but and this is in no way an excuse. But injuries were part of this season. You referenced Chris Williams. Um, you know, it, it felt like that was more significant than even we realized at the time with with the shoulder and not ever being able to get back behind the dish. I think that was significant. You know, I I don't know I don't know if it would have changed the outcome last night. Yeah. But I can tell you you don't want you don't want a few more games at least this year. Yeah. Ultimately maybe it doesn't change anything. Then again maybe it does, but uh that's that's part of that's part of the sport too, injuries. All right, let me throw this one out there. And again, I'm going to ask for your thoughts before I give you mine. Davidson rips the double down the right field line. Clemson's trailing 2-0. There's two outs. That whole inning was extended by uh, the arid second base by Ethan Paul, the Vanderbilt second baseman there. Uh, Green was on first at the time. And, uh, you know, is attacking the bag at third as Davidson turns the corner at first base. Greg Starbuck then waves around Jordan Green. Mm -hmm. coming around third to bring him home. It was a risky call to begin with because if the relay throw is there, meaning at home plate, he's probably thrown out by 15 to 20 feet. Right? Mm -hmm. that, that you, right. you saw the same thing there. Sure. Instead, the throw is off the line. Green has to kind of wiggle his way past the catcher delay to make his way towards home plate. And in the heat of the moment, it appeared as if he touched home plate as he crossed over. 
But the umpire, Chris Kosky, never delivered a call safe or, you know, the run scored. Vanderbilt understands what's going on, applies a tag to Green, and the inning ends. With what you saw in our replay and maybe with what you've read and seen elsewhere, in your opinion, did Jordan Green touch home plate? Let me start with watching that live. My family can vouch for this. He crosses the plate. I immediately told everyone in my family he didn't touch the bat. I, I said, oh, my gosh, he didn't touch home plate. You saw it. So in real time, you're, think, yeah. you're thinking that you're concerned about it. In real wow. time, I did not That's think good. he touched home plate. And then my attention immediately went to the umpire who is just standing there. He doesn't make a call, which is your, you know, if you're a defender, you that's what you look for. Make sure, does, has he made the call? Vanderbilt, uh, you know, was rightfully so, went and tagged him out. I was shocked when I saw the, the slow-mo zoomed-in replay that, yeah, he probably did touch it. I didn't even think it. Honestly, in real time, I didn't even think it was close, and I was shocked when I saw the replay that it, uh, you know, that he probably did touch it. it. With the umpire standing there, you know, you you would think a great view, although he's kind of looking across the plate, and you don't have the angle to see if there's any space between his foot and the plate. My whole feeling on that was, yeah, he probably touched it. It just shouldn't have been that close, you know, at and. And I was okay with it. I do think I was. It wasn't some egregious call that sucks the life out of you. Uh, I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like that was a self-inflicted wound, even though maybe you just great. It was just a grace. <laughs> it, it just shouldn't have happened. I thought it was an awful missed call. Do you really? I, I really did. And, and we said that coming back from the break after that frame concluded. There is no doubt in my mind that he touched home plate. The replay conclusively shows that. Had there been instant replay in this regional, and it really, it, it, it's just gross that there isn't. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's like problem number 8,421 of the NCAA, outside of being able to determine weather patterns and what, what happens here in the upstate, which I know can be confusing. But still, without a doubt, Jordan Green touched home plate it wasn't by much he didn't stomp on it right he, he, we, we know that but the replay showed that beyond the shadow of a doubt indisputable video evidence his toes touched home plate as he came down the third baseline should he have made a better effort to make sure that it was so obvious that any tom dick or harry could make that call yes but at the end of the day, he did his job. Mm -hmm. And the home plate umpire, Chris Kosky, I'm sorry, but he missed the call. Do I think that would have changed who won or lost the game last night? No, I, I don't. I, I think if that play counts, the run counts, maybe Clemson gets another hit. Maybe you tie it up and, and maybe the game goes into a couple of more innings where the outcome is still in doubt. And maybe the final score ends up being, I don't know, 7-3, to 7-4. to four. Vanderbilt was the better team. So it's not one of those situations, even that early in the game with momentum still kind of jostling back and forth. You know, the Commodores had just hit a two-run homer in the top half of the third. Clemson was back up to bat. Looked like they'd scored a run to slice the two-run deficit in half. Even with all of that in mind, I, I still don't think it changes the outcome, even if momentum comes back to the home team there. 
So hear me out on that. But I, I don't know how anybody watches that replay and says, well, I'm not really sure if he touched it or not. I, I, I totally don't get that. The, the front of his foot is on home plate, period, end of story. You can't see the part of home plate that was there before his foot arrives. Hence, he's mm-hmm. touching home plate. So I, I, I thought it was indisputable that that was the case, but I also believe that that didn't determine the outcome of the game. Well, indisputable, but it would have been indisputable in a replay situation, but you didn't have that. Right. Watching Correct. it watching it live, like I said, I mean, when I see the replay, yeah, his, his front of his toes on the plate, but watching it live, if I'm watching at home and I think that he's missed it, it's hard. I can't then uh, trash the umpire for missing the call, even though that's his job. I get that. He's standing right there at it. I it, it wasn't like he it wasn't like a play at first where you call a guy out and he's and 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 the runner is you know a full step past the bag. I under, it was a it was a bang bang play that was really really close. If you'd have had replay, yeah, that would have been overturned in a heartbeat, but you didn't and you you've you've got to you've got to move on and I, I think Monty Lee did a good job of recognizing the way his team felt, he calls a huddle before they ever go into the dugout. After that, and uh, you know, kind of tries to clear their minds of it. But you know, I don't know if he could or or if he couldn't. You cl- you clearly though uh, had a little bit of a mo- momentum shift there, or or lost any momentum that you might have gotten from scoring a run. And who who knows what happens after that? I don't blame I don't blame the loss on that play. I don't either. And. I think it's a good way to kind of wrap that up by indicating that. Jacob in Simpsonville is up with us next. Hey, Jacob. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'd just like to comment on what y'all are talking about. And I think the the big issue is, is it's not a replay debate or anything like that because whether or not they went to review or, or just kept the call on the field like they did, um, Jordan should touch the bag no matter what. And he did all the hard work. You know, he beat the throw. The throw was late, so he did all the hard work get round and third. So despite the outcome, he should have just tagged the base anyway. That, I think it's the equivalent of someone in football getting a breakaway uh, touchdown run, and they drop the ball trying to celebrate too early before they cross the goal line. Um, you know, just – don't put the game in the umpire or in football in the referee's hand. Do your job. And I think that just kind of spoke uh, how the second half of the season ended. Just little things wouldn't go our way. You know, we'd have an error at shortstop, guys would score runs. And then it would just kind of be like this toppling effect that cascaded down and hurt us. So I just want to put my little two cents in and I'll take my comments off the line. Thank you. Jacob, thank you. I mean, it's similar to that with a player crossing the goal line, I suppose. But the correct ruling would be, in the football sense, that he still maintained possession crossing the goal line. He just did it a split second after he did so. So in real time, it wasn't obvious. The replay obviously would reveal otherwise. I I, I don't know how anybody watches that and thinks that he didn't touch home. I you know, <laughs> I just it's it's very it's an easy distinction I believe to make. But it also did not dictate the outcome of last night's contest either. Agreed. And and ultimately, Jacob's right. It's Jordan Green's responsibility to touch the plates. However, I will 
I, I would just point out that Green rounds third base, expecting there to be a play to the, a play at the plate, expecting I'm gonna have to slide. The throw comes up the line. Green realizes that because he sees a catcher jumping in the air, you know, uh, trying to trying to field that ball. He realizes in a split second, okay, there's not a play at the plate. I'm past the play. I, I, all this time I'm expecting to slide. Now I don't. Um, you know, maybe that play did not develop the way at the plate the way that I'm sure mentally he was prepared for it to is, is kind of my point. Again, ultimately, you got to step on the plate. You, you leave no doubt in an umpire's mind, but but still – that's that all developed a little differently than you would expect it to develop. First hour continues. More of your phone calls coming up. Stay tuned. It's bow time at Bojangles. Try one of the $4 breakfast biscuit combos today. You've dreamed of designing your one-of-a-kind pool. Now you can at Aqua Pool Karen Anderson. Right before your eyes, beautiful cascading waterfalls, elegant spillover spas, and unique water fountains come to life with their 3D virtual computer system. And when it's complete, let Aqua Pool Care maintain your pool so you can enjoy your masterpiece. Unlimited pool possibilities with Aqua Pool Care. Call them at 508-1885 or online at aquapoolcarellc.com and make your dreams come true. Since 1902, Carrier has been a leader in producing the most advanced heating and air systems in the world. For 25 years, Carolina Heating Services has been providing top quality heating and air conditioning services in the upstate. Today, the new Carrier Infinity Heating and Cooling System represents the best that both have to offer. For a limited time, Carolina Heating is giving away a free AC system with the purchase of a new qualifying heating system. Call Carolina Heating Services at 864-232-5684 for your free system. At Carolina Heating Service, comfort matters. They're dedicated to making sure your house, office, or business is comfortable any time of the year. Regular maintenance is the best way to prevent breakdowns, especially when the weather is at its worst. The trusted technicians at Carolina Heating Service can keep your system running smoothly. And what better way to stay comfortable than with this limited-time offer, a free carrier AC system with the purchase of a new qualifying heating system. Call Carolina Heating Service today, 864-232-5684. With the warm weather, we think of spring cleaning our homes and businesses. Be sure to include your plumbing system inside and out on your list of spring cleaning chores. Your friends at Roto-Rooter, serving the upstate and western North Carolina, are here 24-7 if your plumbing spring cleaning gets the best of you. Check out their website for spring plumbing tips so you won't have to contact them. And if you do, it's rotorooter.com or 800-GET-ROTO. Roto Rooter, that's the name. And the weight goes troubles down the drain. If you need to rent it, rent it from Bennett. Now in their 18th year of business, Bennett Equipment is your premier source for equipment rentals, sales, and repair, including on site. And thanks to you, Bennett Equipment will open a Seneca location by midsummer. They're the go to dealer for Takeuchi equipment and the largest scaffolding supplier around. Serving the upstate, western North Carolina, and northeastern Georgia. Online at BennettEquipment.net. If you need to rent it, rent it from Bennett. 
There's never been a better time to buy from George Coleman Ford, where cars cost less and travelers rest. Like a 2017 Fusion SC with sync and rear view camera, 25505 MSRP. Sale priced for just $20,999. This offer good through July 5th. And remember, there are never any dealer fees at George Coleman Ford, serving you for over 85 years and four generations. George Coleman Ford, for the ride of a lifetime. CMH Services has again been recognized as an MVP dealer by the Material Handling Industry's leading trade organization, MHEDA, for five consecutive years. In earning the award, CMH Services demonstrated excellence in the areas of industry advocacy, customer service and safety, business networking, continuing education, and business best practices. Get award-winning material handling solutions at CMH Services. Call 800-922-9569. That's 800-922-9569. Roy Philpott on WCCP. Look it. Why don't you do something with your life? <laughs> Sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. And now, back to Roy and Ben on WCCP 1055 The Roar. All right, first hour of the show. Brought to you by a brand new sponsor, our good friends over at Palmetto Paints. You can make any room come to life with Palmetto Paints now open for business on South Batesville Road at Thornblade Commons. Doesn't matter if you're a contractor, a do-it-yourselfer, they've got the advice and the products to master any painting project. And they also feature quality paints from Porter or Pittsburgh, or if you want that texture look, the CC Caldwell's Chalk and Clay Paints, they've got that as well. They can also come to your job site and offer helpful advice. Check out their full room of paint promotions right now. When you buy two gallons of wall paint, one gallon of trim, you get a free gallon of ceiling paint. So make any room come to life today with this great special. Paint professionally. Call Palmetto Paints at 469-7358. That's 469-7358. Or stop by and see them at Thornblade Commons right across from Zaxby's on South Batesville Road. 654-7627. Our phone number, 654-ROAR. Our good friend Mark Dofer joins us from WYFF. He was there this weekend. And like many of us, waiting out all those rain delays, Mark. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Hope you're doing good. I uh, hope you're doing well. I hope you've gotten some sleep. And after a couple of long days and late nights uh, out at the Doug. Well, it was good. Uh, your reaction to kind of how everything ended last night in, in that final game seven, if you will, after a four and a half hour rain delay. I mean, just put a cap on it. And then also on Clemson's baseball season, kind of what we saw. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at how it ended last night. I, I did think just, you know, having watched all the teams practiced and certainly watched a lot of college baseball this season heading in, I, I just, I did think, I did think Vandy was the more talented team. So I'm, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they won last night. I was surprised that it wasn't a little closer. Um, that that really kind of caught me off guard. I was really expecting a you know a six four game, a five four game. I thought if Clemson got a couple of bounces, they might be able to kind of sneak it out on them. But um, but certainly, I, I kind of I didn't see the eight nothing coming. And the I think the you know the, the green play at the plate may have you know deflated Clemson a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I mean it, it kind of went the, the way maybe I, maybe I thought it would this weekend and which is disappointing to me because, you know, we always want to cover the Super Regionals and go to Omaha and, you know, keep covering this throughout the month of June. And it, it just kind of halts suddenly, and, and then you're kind of left going, well, I guess that's over. The season itself, they get off to such a great start. Uh, the injury to Chris Williams, 
Monty Lee's comments about eating pressure like candy, it seemed like after that things kind of changed, and especially with the Williams injury as well. I don't know. When you look at this roster, is it a talent thing? Is it they need to grow up a little bit more and uh, under the direction of, of Monty Lee? I mean, it was still a good campaign. It just started so quickly. We we all had higher expectations for how it finally ended. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, even into, you know, maybe the first week of April, second week of April, I mean, we're looking at them going, this is a college World Series team. I mean, they were just playing so well. And then it just sort of all unraveled at the end. And, and it wasn't the North Carolina series or the Louisville series, because both of those, you look at those and, yeah, they got swept in both of them. But North Carolina, they're, they're on the road you know, at a pretty good team. They were in every one of those games. Louisville, that one was at home. But again, in every one of those games against, you know, one of the best teams uh, in the in the country, they may be the best team in the country. So you're going, okay, well, things are fine. Things are fine. And then it just kind of never got better. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to Chris Williams. I just think that, you know, his, I'm not sure he was ever a hundred percent. If you remember, he started the season, you know, a little bit banged up and I'm not sure he was ever a hundred percent still turned in a great campaign. Um, but not having more of his presence down the stretch, I think really hurt them. And, you know, you couple that with, you know, there are a lot of young players that are, you know, we're playing big roles on that team. Uh, I think the future is very, very bright, uh, for, for that team. I think next year they're, they're certainly going to be a force to be, to be reckoned with, but I think some of that stuff just kind of caught up with them at the end. I know that, uh, this is not a popular opinion this afternoon, but Vanderbilt was pretty good. I mean, I, I thought that they were better than advertised. They had the one misstep because Tyler Jackson was incredible and Clemson came up with clutch hitting that night, but Vanderbilt, Oregon state this next weekend, I could be an interesting series on the road out in Corvallis, but, I mean, I, I you would still favor the Beavers as the number one national seed with 52 wins this year, but Vanderbilt looked better than what I thought they would. Yeah, I mean, as you were, as you started looking at them, as I saw them in practice, and then when I started looking through, you know, their stat lines, and you're seeing all these guys who have 50 RBIs and 12 home runs and 55 RBIs and 14 home runs and 65 RBIs and 12 home runs, you're going, how did this team not win 40 games? And I talked to uh, – um, the, the writer for the Nashville newspaper. And, and he was mentioning to me, of course, they, you know, Vanderbilt went through the one, one year anniversary of the, the death of Donnie Everett. And he said that that team just kind of never got past that tragedy. And maybe they've started putting that behind them, but certainly as they were playing, you you go, these guys are really, really good. And, and like I said, heading into the weekend, I, I, I thought they were the more talented team. So I'm not surprised by the outcome, but I think there's a lot of things that played into that, but Vanderbilt's really good. Really good. Talking with Mark Dofer from WYFF. What does this mean for next season in your estimation, and how do we try to quantify the job that Monty Lee has done? I, I still think perhaps they're a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, it's, it changes a little bit when you consider the fast starters we just talked about, but we look ahead towards the future. We, we look at what Monty Lee has accomplished here thus far. I, I still think there's plenty of reasons to feel good about what's going on. Absolutely. And, you know, the two years under Monty Lee, they've hosted, they've hosted both years. Have they gotten out of those regionals? They haven't, but that's kind of the next step. So I would say that next year, that should be the expectation is that this team makes a super regional because you get to that best two out of three and really anything can happen. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter if, oh, this team's a national seed and, and this team was a three seed in their, in their regional you know, we've seen that happen in the past. And I'd also say to people that, you know, it is time to, to sort of turn the page on college baseball and, and really accept the fact that there is a lot more parity than there, than there was back in the 90s. 
Um, this is a the, the game has changed a little bit. I mean, you see more Davidsons of the world who are who are jumping up as a, as a four seed, you know, and getting out of you know the regional that had the number two overall national seed. And I think it's time that. I'm not saying that the expectation should be any less for Clemson or South Carolina, but people do need to realize that it's more difficult to get there uh, than it was, say, you know, 20 years ago. Didn't Missouri State punch their ticket? They're playing the Supers. That's your alma mater, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Won the uh, the winner-take-all against Arkansas last night down in Fayetteville, a little payback on the Hogs. And, uh, um, yeah, won their – when they're uh, they're regional and they're headed to a super regional for the I think it's the second time in three years and you know oddly enough and and that program and this is why why college baseball has always kind of held a, a special place in my heart the first event I ever covered on television was the 2003 College World Series wow first time I was ever on TV and through a weird set of circumstances and then a, a Cinderella run by then Southwest Missouri State now Missouri State. Um, I ended up in Omaha for the first time, and it was the first thing I ever covered on television. And Omaha is incredible. And I, I, I hear the disappointment in your voice because there's no chance anybody in this market's going to go cover a team there this year. I mean, to get there is incredible. The Tigers haven't been back since 2010, obviously. South Carolina won a couple of national championships, so uh, they're very familiar with it down in, in Columbia. But going out there, especially at old Rosenblatt Stadium, and, and even with what they're doing now, is a, a very special time, is it not? It is, and, and it's not, you know, it's not one of those cities that a lot of people have on, you know, on their summer bucket list for a vacation, but it's a really nice place to go visit. There are a ton of great restaurants. Um, the atmosphere is really cool because the people of Omaha really embrace the event. And which is why they've worked so hard to keep it there. Um, they do some, you know, cool things like a, a lot of the people, a lot of the locals there tend to kind of rally around that Cinderella story. They did it for Coastal last year. I remember the last time I was out there in 2012, Stony Brook made the College World Series. So the people of Omaha kind of pulling for Stony Brook a little bit. And, and certainly the first time I was there in 2003, you know, nobody expected Southwest Missouri State to be there, so there were a lot of locals that were, you know, wearing the maroon and gray. And um, it, it's just a really neat event uh, in, in a cool city that, that just has a, has a lot to offer. Um, and, and I think, you know, we're always disappointed when one of our teams doesn't get there because we like the ride. I mean, we like saying, oh, if Clemson gets out of this, you know, maybe someone's going to Oregon next week. And then, you know, if you go to Oregon and they win that, do you do you just stop in Omaha and just, you know, park yourself for however long it's going to take? I mean, it's it can be a really fun month, but it can also be pretty disappointing, you know, like we're standing here today. All right, so we got about a minute left here with Mark Dofer from WYFF. Uh, what's on your guys' agenda as we get now deep into the summertime? A, a little bit of a respite, I would think, and then the ACC football kickoff, SEC media days, all that's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, a little, you know, a little bit of a deep breath. Um, there, you know, there's some, still some some things going on here and there, but certainly with the high school season wrapped up, the college season now wrapped up, um, you take a little time to sort of recharge the batteries, and then. You know, we're about a month away from, you know, media days starting up, so so not too long. Uh, but it's a good chance to kind of re- recharge the batteries and really start kind of slowly turning that page uh, to college football season. And you, you start thinking about, okay, well, you know, where do we need to go this year? How do we get there? Who's covering this? How do we, how do we get to this and that? Um, so it's a good time to kind of just sort of collect your thoughts before things get really crazy uh, come the middle part of July. Good stuff, my friend. Let's do it again really soon. Mark Doe for WYFF, and uh, enjoy a little bit of a break because the fall is going to be here before you know it. 
Absolutely, and and props to you, Roy. A fantastic job this weekend. I know that there aren't always local guys that are on the call, but um, to have you in Clemson this weekend with your familiarity out there, um, it was it just added a layer of richness to the broadcast. It was a spectacular job, my friend. You're the best, buddy. I appreciate those kind words. Thank you. Yep. Have a great day, guys.